Digital health is almost like an umbrella term. So for some people, it simply is about being able to book an appointment with your doctor through an app and visit their website and see your lab test results, see your medical records. For others, it's about, oh, I've had a rare tumor and I'm getting my full genome sequenced and somebody will be able to make a drug that's exact for my tumor. For others, digital health is about uh, for these, these new digital assistants, you know, these chatbots where you're speaking to your watch or you're, speaking, or you're typing a message and this algorithm is responding to you and telling you, giving you some cognitive behavioral therapy in an app without a human therapist being present. So there's, you know, and then you've got things like wearables and smart homes and smart cities. So there's so much going on. So, you know, one of the, the challenges is when I've spoken to people who've, who are living with mental health problems, um, not all of them want to go and visit a healthcare facility and see a healthcare professional when they're, see, when they're feeling vulnerable, when they're feeling um, down. And so one of the uh, possibilities with these new technologies is that if somebody who's got mental health issues wants to actually confide in a machine, an algorithm, uh, either on their phone or by speaking or even a physical robot, because they feel that actually I've got a mental health issue or sexual health issue, I don't feel comfortable talking to my doctor because they might judge me as another human being. So th but the machine is neutral. It doesn't have any personality. It's not going to judge me. So that's one of the ways that potentially, if you think about the future, we may find routes to getting more people to open up and seek help because we're going to have a range of options. So right now, if the default in the world is, well, you have to see a psychiatrist in order to get diagnosed, but there's a global shortage of healthcare professionals. That's not going to be solved anytime soon. So in the meantime, surely it's the right thing to do to look at alternative solutions as well as trying to train more psychiatrists around the world that what what could these technologies offer for example if you look at a, a rural india what could a chatbot on a phone offer somebody who's a hundred kilometers away from the nearest big city where there's a psychiatrist so we've got to think of it again globally um, there are so many unmet needs we've got to really be careful about managing expectations in this space um, and we're, not, we're nowhere near a point where these machines can replace the human beings that currently work in healthcare. Um, however, there are a place for them. They are evolving rapidly. Now, if you, if you actually mention uh, the words, if you, for example, I also said to Siri on the watch, I gave the example of, you know, I'm, uh, I've just taken an overdose of my tablets it then responds, and for some reason, because of that phrase, Siri then says, you should phone an NHS suicide hotline, try this number, right? So, or phone a Samaritan. So these, you know, so these tools do have, for some instances, they can be useful. But again, it's very, very early days still. It's almost like the wild, wild west, where literally anything can be happening. So, you know, uh, these big data sets have been collected. If you think about... Uh, going to the doctor's office and uh, your doctor is typing away, that information is then stored on, is the, 
or her computer system, and then it's aggregated at a national level. So those data sets are available that will tell people, whether it's a pharmaceutical company, a regulator, the NHS, to say, well, you know, we want to look at a, a cohort of diabetes patients over time. When are they first prescribed? What are their pre-existing comorbidities? How does their illness change over time? What are the side effects of drugs that they've been prescribed, etc.? So that is possible right now, and organizations are using that for the public good and to, for example, help in how drugs are developed, how they're monitored after they're launched to keep, and, and if, for example, they are uh, looking like they might be, the, the, the risks might outweigh the benefits, that to, to give that evidence to decision makers, well, maybe we need to pull the drug off the market, right, it's no longer safe. So data is being used, but the challenge is that we've still got really basic th challenges, such as uh, if you walk into, I walked into my local hospital a while back, and when they, um, when I went to see them, the hospital couldn't access my medical records that have been collected by my GP three miles away. So if you think about those basic challenges, so even before we get to all this big data about us and from all these different sources, you've got some really uh, um, fundamental problems to to solve. But in terms of that, you know, what we could do for billions of people, ultimately, you know, if you can link as much information about an individual in the state of their health, and especially understand what happens in between visits to the doctor, we don't visit the doctor every day, do we? So if you can understand what happens in the real world, you can start to have a, uh, in terms of those trying to uh, understand how diseases like uh, schizophrenia or depression progress, that's really useful from a research perspective. And then those people who do that research come up with new findings, which then potentially generates, leads to new drugs, new interventions, for example. So, you know, this is why it is really important for everybody in the world to be thinking about, well, how do we collect information that best describes our health, whether it's from our doctor's office or if we're in a country which doesn't have those electronic systems. Maybe it's your Google searches that are going to give your doctor an insight into how you're feeling at the moment. Or maybe it's uh, information from your phone in terms of how many times you're logging into Facebook, how, how, you know, uh, how active you are because the phone's accelerometer can track how many steps you've taken. You've got to remember there are a couple of things here. A lot of this data is called real-world data. It's collected in the real-world setting, so it reflects the messiness of the real world. It's one thing to have information collected. You've also got to make sure it's accurate. On top of that, it's, you know, it's really about remembering that our health is more than what just happens in the doctor's office or in the hospital. So again, uh, what are we missing by not being able to capture information about your health when you're just sitting on the sofa watching Netflix. Your body's, uh, you know, there's data there not being captured. What if in the future you have, you know, the potentially you have a smart home with a smart sofa that's monitoring your health because you're at risk and sharing that information with the people who need to know. If, you know, we talk about patient engagement and empowerment, but we've got to look at it in terms of the spectrum of needs. If you're having a stroke or a heart attack at that point, you want the medical professionals to be empowered. You just want to be a passive recipient and say, help me, right? Um, but if it's the case you've got a chronic disease or you're living with depression, for example, it may be that you want 
tools and technology or you would value the ability to see uh, that your phone can give you insights about your mood and your physical activity um, or your sleep, for example, um, and you know you want some electronic way of being able to see that and ultimately what you don't the, the value isn't from the data, the value is, is from the insights that are provided based upon all that data that's being collected about you. We, when we think about health, we are led to believe that health can only be found from the healthcare system. And what I've discovered and remembered this year is actually there's a lot that we already know about our own health and it's about reconnecting with that when times get tough. I'm not saying it's going to be the same case for everybody, but for me, um, on this occasion, I've, I've just uh, enjoyed almost creating my own therapy. Or my, my, I've enjoyed creating my own therapeutic intervention, which is, was just available for free. So my message to people thinking about sort of technology, data, mental health, is that we really need to get out of the silos, you know, and we need to bring different people together, whether it's, for example, um, bringing people who write poetry together with somebody who's a data scientist so that the story that is told through the app uh, maybe has an element of art or poetry or drama in it rather than just, oh, you walk 5,000 steps today and this is your mood, for example. So there's new, new, there's new ways of thinking which will require different types of people to get together. Um, and, and, and it's also about um, starting off with understanding what the needs are of communities. So I really believe that we're sometimes listening to the wrong people. So it shouldn't be that technology is, is driving these changes. It should be, what do we need? What are our unmet needs in society at every level? And then who can help? Who needs to get together to help? And is it going to benefit as many people as possible? In terms of my, my one big hope and dream is that um, I'm hoping, you know, in my lifetime, uh, we get to a point where everybody in, on earth has the information they need in order to make a decision about their health um, on a, on a, in, a, in a context that makes sense to them at that point. I mean, the trouble is that the system has to, because of the way it works, has to put you on, a, on one of a number of pathways and categories and labels and diagnostics. That's the way the system works. However, we're, people are messy. We, we, you know, we might be feeling, uh, we might be diagnosed as depressed one day, but those symptoms may not be there tomorrow. You know, so the, the, that, that's the challenge as well, is that just in terms of that conversation we have in society about what is depression, what is bipolar, what is anxiety disorder, and then, you know, um, the impact of those labels and the stigma, you know, there's so, and the taboos, there's so many um, challenges which have, nothing really to do with technology or data or artificial intelligence, but more to do with how do we live more authentic lives, how, to, how do we be honest with ourselves and with each other.